When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Fitz. And if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, daily YouTube videos, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Also, I have metastatic stage four prostate cancer that came out of remission in January. During the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home and the Life of Fitz podcast was born. Four years later, I'm back in my cancer fight and continuing this podcast, calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I have met throughout my 35 years in this industry. And now I'm adding in some new friends to my call list. And of course, I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Let's be honest. Mike Clark looks like a baseball coach. Just look at the guy. He looks like a guy that should have coached baseball for, mm, say, 23 years at the college level and 17 at Kansas State. He looks the part, and he played the part. He was indeed Kansas State's baseball coach, predating the arrival of Bill Snyder at Kansas State. He started as head coach of K-State baseball in 1986, retiring in 2003. And to say he was a Division I baseball coach is is accurate. But Kansas State baseball, when Mike Clark was doing the job, was far from a high-level operation. They had a field. No stadium. No, not a stadium. no, No locker rooms. None of that. They had a field. Players would often change their clothes in the Bramlage Coliseum KSU Stadium parking lot. And no bathrooms. It was pathetic. So in 2003, he stuck around, played one final year after the building of the new stadium, and then stepped away. And was out of athletics for a few years, and then came right back in with retirement of Ernie Barrett and became one of the top fundraisers probably in Kansas State athletics history. He was really good as a baseball coach and then playing such a huge role in everything you now see scattered around the K-State athletics campus. And he retired at the end of June. So now let's call Mike Clark right here in Manhattan, Kansas. This is Mike. Head coach, how are you? I'm good. Been a busy morning. <laughs> You're up and going? 
Yeah, we got that kid. Now we've got uh, Casey's two daughters. We were at Mitty's uh, basketball camp this week. And so Julie's taking them to uh, Kansas City to meet up with him. So we've been packing and, and uh, making sure breakfast and we didn't leave anything <laughs> and all of that stuff. So uh, the good life of being a granddad. Yeah, that's it's 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 pretty special. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. So <laughs> you're officially retired, right? Yep. How's, yep. How's it feel? Feels good. Uh, I, you know, I haven't had really the time to uh, dwell on it or get bored with it or whatever. It's just been um, we've had two weeks of grandkids. We had a granddaughter, and we took. Uh, Ashland to Colorado for a little vacation that we plan on doing when they get to 12 or 13 years old. She's our oldest. So we did that last week and then had Casey's girls this week. So uh, it was grandparenting and the priority is, you know, for them instead of, you know, where do I need to be? What capac or event do I need to be at or different things along those lines? Or have you called everybody who's late with their ticket payments and different things it's just it, it's a different world but yet it's 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 very cool to be able to just concentrate on the on the kids and concentrate on life what what led to the decision all of that or what 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 led to your again? decision to step away well you know when you know 50, maybe 10 years ago i thought i'd do this you know ernie did it until he was 76 and to be honest i you know i loved doing what i did but when i got cancer five years ago that all of a sudden changed everything (laughs) and so i just you know julie and i talked and and we 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 thought you know there are things we want to do with our lives that that uh, uh, let's let's look at 70 see how things are going and the closer we got to maybe in 70 the more it was a slam dunk that we were gonna I was gonna retire and we were going to uh, hopefully do some things while we're still you know somewhat healthy we're, we're both struggling with <laughs> arthritis and <laughs> other other assorted things but uh, uh, I mean and that was it I I absolutely I was, I was one, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I got to do what I wanted to do for for most of my life right. and and there are very few people that can say that and and uh it's, it's just been a fun fun ride a tough ride there's been you know that it's not all <laughs> people remember i uh, i came uh, i came to the athletic department during the ron prince years <laughs> and so mm-hmm. the, the, you know the the telephone calls uh, from donors were a little different than they they have been the last couple of years. So. <laughs> I would imagine so. Um, but back to this, that cancer stuff will wake you up, won't it? It it is it does, and it's just. And I know you're, you know, this is some that's affected your life also. It is a completely for the first time. The way I the best way I can describe it is the first time there's a life expectancy, you know, there's a, there's a deadline on things, you know? And, and, and so now you re redo things, you rethink things. Uh, I'm lucky because we caught it so early 
but you know, it's just the the shock, and I'll never forget waking up from my colonoscopy and Julie sitting there and that, you know, go, what happened? You know, <laughs> what are you here for? And, you know, this has been a routine deal for uh, every three years for so many years. And, and, uh, so, it, it, and it does, it, it makes you look at life in a completely different situation, appreciate life more. Um, and, and also maybe in a, different way make things maybe a little simpler and decision making and stuff that you know the, the the wild dreams and different things that that i had not dreams necessarily but you know there were there were things that uh, i thought you know we do and we can do and at kansas state we could do and all that now you know we're looking at a situation where um you know, we've got this amount of time when who knows how long that is, and we're going to make the most of it uh, as as long as we're healthy. First of all, let me back up. You're 70. I'm 70. Yeah, I uh, turned 70 in October. I'll actually be 71 in uh, in October. So I, I, uh, I you've been around ever since I've been around at Kansas State, basically, but I had no idea. Congratulations. You look fantastic, you old fart. Well, thank you, but it's it, it, part of it's hereditary. My my dad and mom both look extremely young. She's still alive. She'll be ninety one in September, and she she is you know she she stopped golfing four years ago, and just is you know just really great. We got good genes now. And the other part of it is is that hair wise, the Clarks don't turn gray. I don't know when they turn gray because my dad, I've got some gray hair, but my grandpa and my dad, one passed away at 66 and then my dad passed away at 78 years old, did not have very much gray hair. Now we do have the Clark gut. And so the, it's not all good with the hereditary part of it, but uh, uh, I think that helps also with that. And, 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 you know, being around athletics, I've been able to be in somewhat good shape with everything. So, well, it also helps out with your retired baseball coach persona. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I was fifty when we were. T- I I came to Kansas State as the youngest uh, baseball coach in the league in the Big Eight, and I, I'm leaving as the oldest oldest person in the athletic department. So it's been a good thirty seven years. That's that's nice. Um, that that I when I looked this up and it's been twenty years since you retired from coaching. I'm like. Yeah. Holy crap. I guess it has been, but it, yep. I, I so freshly remember it that it's hard to believe. <clears throat> and I, I remember thinking at the time, what's coach going to do? And it, it took you a few transition years, but you slid into something I, I, it appears that you loved as much as coaching. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, I was very lucky. I, 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 the, the, uh, Dr. Weefold had told me that I had a job in a foundation working for a school. I'll leave this, this, the, the college, um, blank. So, but anyway, and so when I, when, you know, when I retired, I knew that I had a job and then I got a call from the Dean of that college and said, uh, no, I, you know, I really can't hire somebody from the athletic department to do this. And I went, so now I'm going, well, what's You know, what are we going to do? And I, I was very lucky that the, the Catholic school, uh, and that was, you know, you talk about a great 
job, a great school, uh, working with those kids and raising money for the kids. And I think that's when, you know, people looked and they said, boy, you know, he can raise money because we, we doubled up the record uh, amount of money in our annual fund. And our auction was a huge success, although we had so many great parents that, that worked that. I just sort of, uh, you know, rearranged the deck chairs a little bit. And, and so it, it was just it, the, the year and a half, two years I was there changed my life to where all of a sudden people noticed that I could do some other things. And that's when Kansas State Bank came in. And I, I remember sitting down with Mike Daniels and and I was actually had asked them for money for the Catholic school. We were starting the endowment. And, and so I thought this meeting was going to be about that. And we, we started that way. And then all of a sudden he said, did, did you ever think about working at a bank? And I said, not until those words came out of your mouth. <laughs> I said, I, I, Julie does the checkbook. I, I do. People will tell you that I'm, you know, not, not that good with, with the, uh, putting money, you know, keeping track of money and different things like that. And Amen. he said, well, I, I said, what do you got in mind? And he goes, well, we need somebody to bring in business. And we saw what you did at Catholic school. We know baseball, what you did. And we think you'd be a good representative for the bank. And so but I did that for a year and a half, two years until uh, Ernie retired. And then uh, then I found, you know, the the, the, the best job that there is. I mean, as far as, you know, for my skills, whatever, you know, my people skills fit that position, just like right. Ernie's people skills. I mean, it's just, you get lucky sometimes with jobs and different things where it just matches perfectly for what you have to offer. And so that's when the fundraising part of it, and, and it wasn't, I, I don't look at it as fundraising. I look at it relationships and like I've, I've made this statement that it's, you know, I started with donors and I'm ending with friends and that, that's truly the way it is. I absolutely love the people that I got to work with and, and, uh, uh you know, help with the experiences that we had at Kansas state the last 20 years, uh, as far as football and all the sports. So it, it strikes me that, um, the way you and Ernie went about business is, is something that could be viewed as old school. I mean, you, you, you became pals with all those guys that were your donors and uh, I don't know, it, it seems more mechanical nowadays, the John Curry method of, you know, kind of going through it mechanically um, kind of strikes me as, as where it's headed. And I don't think that's good. Well, uh, you know, I, I, it's like coaching. You are what you are. You are who you are. And if you try to do it a different way, there's no other. I mean, I, I, the people I worked with will, will tell you that my struggle was with the, you know, um, putting the different contact reports and travel reports and all that stuff together and everything I'd go for a month and, and I'd write down the meetings and all that other stuff, then go back to my calendar and file everything in and, and hope I hadn't lost a receipt and different things like that. But it, it, you know, it, it is, I mean, we do things on email and, and, uh, 
Twitter and, and Facebook and different things like that. And, and, you know, for Ernie, Ernie taught me early in my career that, that the handshake and look them in the eye is the best way to do anything. Then they may not, you know, they may not be involved in what you're, you know, working on at that time. But if you do that, you can always go back to that handshake and you can always go back to that eye contact the next time and they'll respect you and they'll listen to you. And then mm-hmm. that might be the time that you, you get it with email and, and all the other stuff is really cold. And, and, you know, they say, no, you don't really understand why they're saying no, they, they may be in a situation where a financial situation, they may have three kids in college right now. They may have, you know, a death in the family or a serious illness. And you, you you have with email and Facebook and all that stuff, you don't know that stuff. And so old school, but I think it's the right school, a relationship gets you a lifetime of donations An email might get you one. And that's kind of the way I look at it. And it's a very K-State way. It, well, it is. And that, that, you know, even, you know, when I first started, I had so many, I had a lot of people, you know, congratulate me and all this other stuff. We got, you know, some funny stories about different telephone calls. Mm-hmm. But it, but one of the, the main things, they, you know, I, I had come out. You know, we're not happy with where football is right now, so don't ask any money in there for football. But we'd love to see you. Please come out and see us. So, and, and that's kind of the way that thing started. Uh, that was that was my first first go around uh, uh, with that. So the fundraising, you know, we we did a good job. And you know, you talk about superstars. I I worked with superstars as far as. Uh, baseball's concerned, coaching them and coaching against kids. But I, I tell you what, what we had in the athletic department over the years that I, I've been with it, just absolute the best of the best as far as fundraising and, and different things uh, administratively. Uh, and and you, we see we see it now, the building of from 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 nothing to what we have now has just been remarkable. It, it is remarkable. I mean, uh, I joked about John a little bit ago, but he he knew how to do things. He knew how to raise money and he knew how to do things right. And my biggest compliment of him is he stopped Kansas State from compromising on facilities. Absolutely. You know, you know stop building a, a deck to the stadium with no restroom access. You know, we always kind of did things okay. Uh, yep. Now we don't do things okay. We do things the right way. It's, it's yeah, a pretty we, cool we, thing. We, and, and you made the statement about him being more technical and stuff with this. I'll, I'll tell you a story that nobody knows other than John and I. John would come into my office once a month, and he'd sit down, and he says, what do I need to know? And and he said, you know, I tell him, I straight up, I said bad, I said good, I said whatever it was. This this is what our fans are saying, and I really respected that. And and he 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 and I had a great relationship, 
even though, and I don't say we did things wrong. I think he was lying on myself and Chad and uh, all the people in the department to go out and do that. And, and, but it, I, I just, you know, when he, first time he came in, it was a little scary, mm-hmm. but I'm sitting there going, when I, when I understood what he was talking about, he, he'd always tell me at the end, he says, I appreciate, I have to know these things in order to make the right decisions. And he goes, and, and you're doing, you're doing you're doing it the right way i need you to do this and that was that was the way it was so he was yeah technical and everything but i you know we are we in a power five conference do we do we worry now about it not not nearly like we did before because john john went out and did the facilities and and get not just did them like you said did them right did them to where i mean i'm gonna guess we're in the upper third or upper quarter of the acc facility wise packed pack 12 Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're in the upper three or four. Uh, big Ten, we're we're in good shape with a lot of the Big Ten schools. SEC, I mean, he 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 put us in a position to where we took that off the table. They can't say we don't have the facilities. We can't say that. So uh, yeah, just he's 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 a, a good good guy. Did a great job and and. Uh, uh, was a now from the coaching standpoint <laughs> that that was a, that was a little different manner as far as some of the situations he had but uh well i thank him every day for the great facilities that we have yeah yeah i had a friend in town not too long ago hadn't he hadn't been in town in a, a while he thought it was five years but it had to be more than that because we drive by the soccer stadium and he goes what is that I go, soccer stadium <laughs> and then yep. he sees the the renovated toy and he goes oh that's really nice and then we come around the corner and he sees the the new buildings and he's like what the hell it's like it's yep. incredible man you leave town for a little bit and you come back and it's so different and of course we we turned the corner and um it was uh the indoor practice facility and all that yep. you know it's just been an amazing um transformation of the facilities at kansas state and what's taken place um and for that i thank you for your role in that because uh that's gonna propel this athletic department for a long time and maybe to enough success to get me to retirement to someday i don't well, know we hope well we hope so not not soon <laughs> i want you to continue to keep working but but it, i mean it's just so gratifying to see what happened. I remember in 86, sitting on, standing on top of the old pre, so-called press box trailer or whatever it was and watching the football games and, and, and kind of going, you know, what did I just get myself into? You know, <laughs> we, I was parking cars or directing everybody, the parking cars for the 12,000 cars that showed up 15 minutes before game time. And, and that, but it was, it was really, that this this is a special deal and to be able to to be with I'm I'm lucky to be any play, anybody that's working that can stay 37 years in one spot is very fortunate and then the, in athletics is super fortunate so yeah you're right 
I kind of miss that press box because, you know, now when there's bad weather, I'm inside and I'm safe and I can have an ice cream sandwich. In the old, old press box, if it rained, it rained in there, too. So, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there, there were buckets all over the yep. place with that thing, and there weren't enough buckets. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I remember standing there with Larry Travis, and, and uh, we had played a pretty good first half against Tulsa, and then in the last two minutes, we gave up like three touchdowns or something, and he just turned around and, and, and wanted to punch something and didn't, and, you know, went there, and I was standing there going, well, if he punched something, this thing might all fall down. So, <laughs> That's so true. Don't, so don't, true. don't punch anything. Uh, the evolution of facilities around the Big 12 is incredible. I, I remember going to Lubbock uh, and the combination of Mike Stoops and um, uh, John Fabris in the same coaching press box almost led to arrests because <laughs> it was built out of plywood and I don't know what, I, there was no insulation. I think it was just drywall right up with the yep. ply, plywood. Yep. And you could hear everything going on. The walls were shaking. The game wasn't going. And next thing I know, I'm working in the press box and there are Texas Rangers, the, the, they're there to arrest the coaches. And finally, the SID is like, you can't arrest coaches during a game. This would be a national scandal. <laughs> that was a pretty volatile combination of personalities to put in a small, confined area for three and a half hours of football. I don't know how yeah. any press box survived. No, they, they, uh, uh, you, you could tell what was going on and how well we were playing pretty easily, just being four doors down from, from the, them. So, yeah. Um, how much did you miss baseball coaching when you stepped away? To be honest, not, not much. Interesting. I, yeah, I, uh, I probably went one year too long uh, I had to, we had the good season in 2002 and uh, I knew that I was, the, the battery didn't have a lot in it. I, you know, and, but yet the stadium was completely finished finally and for the 2002, 2003. And so I wanted to, to give it a chance. We had, we had some pretty good kids. Well, we always had good kids coming back, but I just wanted to give it a little bit more of a chance and, you know, we we got off to a bad start and, and a couple of injuries and and it just started wearing even more. I mean, I I was like two eighty two eighty five. I was on a heart monitor, um, uh, just could not sleep anything. I mean, I I'd be up all night sometimes and uh, just came to the point. It was in the back of my mind. Julie and I talked about it a little bit, but not a lot. I, I tried to keep the family away from that part of it. And, and so when uh, it was actually at the Baylor trip and we rained out, we got rained out on Friday and we we're going to play a doubleheader on Saturday. And it just, I got to the point where I said that I just, if I want to live till I'm 70 or whatever, I, I've got to do something else. And the, the program really needs somebody that that has the energy, that has that has what it takes in order to get this because we want to win championships. We've, we've always wanted to win championships. And I'm not the guy to do it at that time. And, 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 and uh, we need somebody that can. And luckily we found Brad, got Brad uh, come in and coach and 
and everything since then has been pretty special. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like um, that stadium in some ways is your legacy? That you finally got it built. You finally, you, you get, I, I want to get into this later, but the facilities you had were comical. I mean, absolutely yep. comical. Yep. Yep. The, the, you know, I don't, I don't look at it at that. I, my, my legacy is my players, the, the players and how successful they are and being able to, to see them and their families. And that, that, that's as far as buildings and, and different things like that, even though I raised money for that and did things uh, the last 20 years of my career, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a people person. So I, I, I look at what, what's there and, and I just, you know, I'm so proud that we're able to do that. And, you know, when I, when I came here, everybody, you know, the scouts were telling me, don't take the job. They're going to drop the program. So it wasn't until Larry Travis told me in my interview that they couldn't drop baseball because we were at the minimum sports to be division one. I said, well, I think, (laughs) I think they can't drive that. That that was the security I needed in order to take the job. So we're, we're talking from there where the, Players did everything. Coaches and players uh, did everything as far as field work and all that other stuff. We dressed in the parking lot or in Brandeberry. Uh, but at the, at the time when I came, football was using Brandeberry, so they were, you know, if they had inclement weather, they were they were in there, and so we we were out of there because uh, they had to do practice and shifts, so they had it virtually for nine hours, and then the rest of us had it for whatever was left. So. Mm. Um, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I am so proud of the facilities and I'm so proud of the K-Staters that, that made that happen. And, and the administrators that said, yes, let's, let's do this. Finally, the first 10 years, it was very tough and very frustrating recruiting wise. And just to, just to put the team on the, you know, get the team ready to go on the field. It was, it was very difficult. So, uh, this is the way it should be. This is the way it always should have been, but, right. uh, we can't do anything about the past. All we can do is what we got right now. And we're, we're really proud of it. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Well, let's get into some of those stories. I <clears throat> uh, the the porta potty stories are my favorite stories um, because the vision of coaches standing in a porta potty line with fans um, is pure comedy. It's like out of a movie, but that's the situation you faced. You didn't have facilities, literally. When you talk about plumbing, you didn't have it. No, it was no. incredible. <laughs> No, we, we didn't have any, the running water. We had a, a thing behind the mound that we could hook our hose up to that's plugged into the the, the behind the mound uh, 
can't even think of what it's called. But anyway, and that was it as far as water was concerned. So uh, my man, part of my manager's uh, job, and incidentally, they were not paid managers. Everything outside of well, including coaches, some of the coaches was all volunteer. Uh, the best, the best story as far as the porta potties is uh, Ashley Brown was my uh, manager, and she was fantastic. And, and she's uh, the prince. She's principal of Liberal High School now, and doing just a tremendous job. Capelman, uh, uh, she's Ann, uh, Ashley Capelman now, and uh, so. We're playing Oklahoma State, and and there's one porta potty, and I would always, when 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 uh, I needed to use the restroom, I would always let her know so she could stand in line, you know, as the inning was going on to where when the inning was over, she would be at the front of the line, and I could get in and get out. So I can't remember. I don't know whether he made a change. So I'm just a little bit late getting there in between innings and Gary Ward standing there. <laughs> and she's got Gary Ward stopped and he is cussing me up a storm. <laughs> and God love her. I mean, talk about, you know, talk about staying with it. I got in, went to the bathroom, got out. He goes, Come in, we're, next time we're at the Big 12 meeting, we're going to talk about this, or Big 8 meeting. I think it was at the, we're going to talk about this. Clark, this isn't right. This is bullshit. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and after the game was over, you were still mad at me. You are upset about it and That's everything. So- Go, Sorry, so but I I always appreciated Ashley for for hanging in there for me and and doing her job. So held has no fury like an upset baseball coach, and we have the oh, evidence. <laughs> Gary was a little surly anyway sometimes <laughs> when things weren't going right. So there's some pretty good stories about him and mascot at. <laughs> at Mizzou that, that are pretty hilarious. So. <laughs> um, and I, I used to warn people, if you're going to a baseball game, don't show up too early because you might see something in the parking lot you didn't sign up the kids for. Because yep. players are out there getting ready for the game in the damn parking lot. They, they dressed in the parking lot. And uh, I mean, that was, that's what we had. That's what, uh, you know, we'd bring recruits in on trips and at the end of it, you know, said, well, you know, have a safe trip back and everything. And they said, well, you didn't show us the locker room. And we'd go, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yes, we did. You're standing yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. You are standing in the locker room. So. <laughs> Oh, and yet you found some success, coach, and that has to be a point of pride. You, it wasn't easy, but you found a way to win some ball games, didn't you? Well, yeah, and and I'm not sure that model works today. And and what we did early, you know, I came in and and we had a pretty experienced group the first couple of years. And then I, I I recruited. We we had a really good recruiting class with. Craig Wilson and uh, Brad Ripplemeyer and Chris Himalewski and and uh, some of those David Harholzer. I mean, we had we had a really good class. And so, what what we what I decided uh, let's let's get freshmen 
and play them, and we're going to take our lumps. We're going to have some bad seasons. Uh, I remember one year, I think we went 15 and 34, started seven freshmen, and and uh, at the time we were playing four-game series in, in the Big Eight. Uh, three, three, three of the four starting pitchers were freshmen, and we, we got beat around. But th- that's also the same group that when they were juniors and seniors – finished in the middle of the, of the deal. And then, after, you know, they'd get drafted or graduate, and then we'd start all over again with freshmen. The way the transfer portal is now, I, I, I'm not sure you can do that. But that was that, that's the way we do it. If you look at my record, it, it's kind of a hilly, up-and-down record. And the downs were when we had a lot of freshmen. And then the upper times is we developed them and, and, and coached them into being quality teams. And, uh, you know, we didn't have the facilities. We didn't have the budget. We didn't have a lot of things, but we, what we did have are some kids that were really committed to Kansas state university and giving them that playing time as freshmen was our best recruiting thing. Plus the education I got, but the fact that they could get on the field and, and, and play in the big eight as a freshman was the huge uh, thing that we did. That was the, that that's what was best as far as us getting kids. And uh, we came close on some really, really, really good kids, even with the, with the uh, handicaps we had with, with facilities and stuff. But, and then, you know, we're playing in a league back in the, the big eight where Oklahoma state was playing in the national championship game every year and Oklahoma and Mizzou and Nebraska were all heavyweights and only right. four teams made it to the tournament. So you're sitting there with Iowa state and us <laughs> trying to, you know, who's going to be that, who's going to get into that uh, top four. And so it was, it was difficult, but you know, in 90, when we did that, got that, got finished second in the league again with, with kids that, you know, got, we got beat up when they were growing up, when they were learning the game and stuff, but turned it around and really had a, a super, super season. Yeah, if you can recognize a young player's got talent, baseball's a great sport to go learn your lessons, man. I mean, it, it's yeah. not like football where you're going to get your snot beaten out of you and maybe, you know, injured, but in baseball, go out there and learn some lessons. It, it it is, and, and as as long as the kids are are, you know, trying to do what you're teaching them, what you're working with them, and they'll make the adjustments and stuff. And it's you know, it's tough going through bad seasons, but then you know, we had a, a, a you know great communication, even though we didn't have you know our office by that time was almost non-existent also, but you know, road trips were, were big for us because we could talk. And even though we were driving the van sometimes and stuff, you got to know the kids, you got to know the players and, and it just, and that to me, that's what it's all about. We were all working together to be the best we can. And you know what? We, we were pretty doggone good. We were, we were in another league at that time. Uh, we, we'd have been regional team. We'd have been, we'd have been really good, but playing in the, in the big eight, and the big 12, but the big 12 in particular, once the Texas schools came in, we were so far behind in everything that it was just really tough to compete. Yeah, I I mean now the sport it's it it's infinitely more difficult to be good this far north. 
what you know, whatever reason, Nebraska used to be really good, and they've kind of fallen back. And we've seen it with Creighton, maybe, and Wichita State. Certainly, it, it it's become such a weather-driven, you know, climate-driven sport. It's very frustrating for me to to watch some of these teams having great success, just because they can recruit arms. You know, they can recruit the guys to go there that know they won't be playing in cold weather. Well, and, and and they can arrange their picture. Basically, what happened to us this year was our number four and number five starters weren't very successful in our midweek games. As far as the conference is concerned, that's one of the fallacies of us not making it. And then it's just ridiculous. But when head-to-head competition and conference standings don't, that that's down the line. And the RPI, which is the worst metric you can have for baseball, it's the worst one. Right. Imagine the RPI in basketball, and you had to start five different point guards every other game. You had to start your number two point guard, your number three point guard, your number four point guard. I mean, that's basically right. what base they're trying to do with the RPI, which makes no sense whatsoever. You know, we, we know about Oklahoma and we swept them and we finished two games. I mean, the absolute when they said, well, RPI is what I'm, I'm sitting there going. Then then in the south, they load up the games early. And so they're one, two, three and fours. They never have to throw their fifth pitcher. Right. They, they don't have to throw their fifth pitcher against uh Wichita State. They don't have to throw their fifth pitcher against Nebraska in a non-league game or something like that, and and that's why it, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's that was our we had trouble getting arms. Quality, you know, right. we'd get we'd we'd be all right one and two, and then three, and then the long reliever and everything. You what you were relying on basically is a freshman with a great arm that two years from now is going to be your guy for you. But right at that time is just out of high school and just not quite ready to compete against. I don't know how many games we pit, we, we had, you know, we're sitting there with five or six actually, because we're playing four game conference series in Wichita state because they were in the Missouri Valley could throw <laughs> hide their number four guy in the series. They were playing three game series. So they always had the advantage. They had a great team. Don't get me wrong. The talent wise head to head. Most of the time they had better talent, but there were times when I thought we could compete, but I'm throwing a kid that's his second start of the year midway through the season, because I have to save my top four guys for next week's, uh, uh, league league games, and you know, again, college baseball gets drained out of the best arms and the middle infielders and the center fielders, and you know, the draft just takes so much of that, and you can even sign those kids and still not get them. No, and then you lose them. That's it. I mean, I lost Chris Himalewski two weeks before the it was the middle of July. He was my number three hitter and my number three pitcher. You can't replace those two kids. I mean, th- those two deals. Right. I mean, we, we, we'd we already lost a couple of kids to the draft, which is fine. We, we want them to be successful. And Chris, we wanted him to be successful. It just puts such a hole, and you can't recruit that, replace that talent in the middle of July. That You just can't do it. No. So, you know, until baseball, until baseball, and we have to get the SEC – Maybe the ACC, although they've got a lot of northern schools now, 
uh, in the Pac-12 to, to just realize that, you know, we, it, we're going to be a regional sport until they move the season back. Right. And we've worked uh, I'm, uh, from the time I was here, uh, Gary Ward and Gene Stevenson and Gene McCarter and uh, a bunch of us worked diligently to try to get the season moved back, which it has. It's better than it was. We used to start February 1st with games. Now it's the middle of February. So, but I just think uh, to be a national sport and they go, well, miss class time. I go, well, you know, Stanford's on a quarter system. They've got five games under their belt in football before they start their first class. That What's the difference, uh, whether it's on the back end? And I just think Omaha, 4th of July, national championship, <laughs> that's pretty American. That's pretty national sport. That's, that's pretty neat. And it gives all the schools that way an opportunity. You know, who knows? Maybe Wisconsin and Iowa State now with the different money that's going on, maybe they bring baseball back. Maybe uh, Wyoming brings baseball back. Maybe, maybe there's there's other opportunities for us to be a national sport, and we have fought it for thirty some years, trying to get it pushed back, and just can't get it. They just won't do it, and uh, they've got the monopoly. And and uh, so hopefully, hopefully in the near future, we can we can get it pushed back. And it seems to me there's enough old school baseball folks that want to protect the wooden bat leagues in the summer. And I'm like, I, you know, I know that's a tradition and that's a big part of baseball, but uh, you know, college baseball could be enormous if it wouldn't national. Oh, it's just no enormous. Question. No question. And, and it's, it could be a money-making sport and a town of Manhattan would be a perfect example because in the summer recreation wise and stuff, you know, you, you, the, 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 we draw great crowds when the weather's good. Well, if you had a whole season of good weather and you get a fan following and get demand for your tickets and all this other stuff, and every place is the same way. Every school's the same way. It's just that you just have the, they, they have this monopoly and, you know, you hear the excuses, uh, well, we don't mess with your hockey thing. I had a coach tell me that one time and I looked at him and I said, so you think college baseball is on the same scale as college hockey? This is 25 years ago. It's crazy. He goes, well, no, it's more important. I said, then don't bring that. I said, don't insult us. We're bigger than that. We can be bigger than college hockey. Well, uh, it, it's not, it, it just, you know, they'll they'll get every excuse they can and we just got to keep fighting it and and hopefully someday we can we can get it to to where i i think you move it back and and like i said if you you have the national championship game on the 4th of July uh, that little stadium with 20,000 in Omaha isn't going to hold it it's it's good you could have 50 or 60,000 yeah it'd be enormous and I I can't imagine what the culture of Manhattan would be like with summer college baseball and yep. as a, a former student who stuck around in the summertime most of the time that'd be an event you'd be out it there was. particularly yep. now they're selling beer you'd be out there every game it, it would be like a, uh, you know, going to the Royals right. or, or whatever. It'd be the same type of thing. Only the difference is the kids hustle a little more <laughs> and stuff. But, but the, 
the other thing that's happened is, is the major leagues, it was always about the draft, you know, well, the draft, well, the major leagues did it, did the college baseball a favor. They've already moved it back. Mm-hmm. So the, the college draft is already three weeks after the college world series is over with. So why not fill that? instead of having the kids not doing anything for three weeks before the draft, let's have them go. Let's, let's, let's be playing ball. Let's, let's, let's do it. And, and they want to make it into such a big deal that the draft, like they do football and the other stuff, it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're running out of excuses. It's just the, you know, the big 10, I know wants to move it back. Uh, they, they're spending big money on baseball programs and big facilities and stuff. They want to move it back. Most of the big 12 wants to move it back or at least did when I was around it and stuff. So hopefully we can get it done. Yeah. I, I feel like it's, it's one of those things that at some point, either you do this, move it back, or you're going to see conferences just decide, well, we're out of baseball. I mean, we yep. we're, we're spending a lot of money on a sport that we're we can't compete in because of these yep. rules. Well, we're going to go play. I don't know. Just pulling this out, men's soccer, which isn't even an NCAA sport, but right. maybe it would be. Um, but yeah, it, it it just seems like the selfishness of the warm weather crowd is holding back the entire sport. Because, coach, I look at softball, and I granted they're on the same schedules, but so, as you know, softball pitchers are different than baseball pitchers. Um, yep. You can you can throw in that colder weather without much worry. I look at the growth of softball and, mm-hmm. and how popular it's become, and I yep. think, can you imagine if they energize baseball this way? Right. I mean, particularly yep. with the disparity in the major leagues and, and you know, the, the difficulty of programs or franchises like Kansas City to compete on any regular basis means more fans might steer into college baseball. Well, it, 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 it agreed. And, and, you know, you see the tournaments that they have here on weekends here in Manhattan and, you know, all the locations and stuff. What a great thing to have all those teams in town coming to your games and they help to grow the sport from a youth to, to high school, to college ball. Uh, it just, uh, makes too much sense, but like a lot of things that you know, it just some, somehow it doesn't work. So we're, we've got to get it to work. Yeah, I agree. Give me some of your best player or in game stories that you got. Cause I know you got some. God, let's think. Stinkler uh, <laughs> stories. Um, I've got I've got a pretty good recruiting story. Okay, go. Um, we're we're recruiting, and when you're recruiting, you're recruiting a whole bunch of kids. And David Chad was my assistant, who's now vice president with the Philadelphia Phillies. And David, of course, good case data, all American for for me here. He, we're, we're recruiting t- two different kids, and it, as as happens, we uh, we're doing two. He's in Kansas City. I'm in Manhattan, and uh, we're waiting to hear from both of these two kids. We both want them both, and both ended up being really good guys for us. 
but uh, one one of David calls me and he goes, "Oh my gosh!" He goes, "The you know the mother now is having second thoughts and and so they're going to pray on it and and get back with us." And I said, "Okay, well we did everything we could. You know they know what the situation is." And so then I've got the uh, family here. And they excuse themselves like this is five minutes later and they're going to go back in the hotel room and they're going to pray on making the decision. So I'm sitting there going, you know, God, <laughs> I, I know this isn't really big in your to-do list for today and stuff, but we could really appreciate that. So my guy or the, 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 the young man that I'm recruiting, they, the family comes out and I, uh, they say, we got a sign from God and we're going to be a we're going to be wildcats. And I said, great. I said, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, shook hands and, and did everything. It was during the summer and they, they go off and they quickly ran. This is for our cell phones and stuff. And David's waiting at a seven 11 or something in Kansas city. I call it and I said, Hey, Tell them if there's any way you can get in there. Tell them God's a wildcat right now. God, God, God wants their son to be a wildcat because we <laughs> he just set a sign here in Manhattan. So uh, we laughed about that, but it, and it, 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 we we got both of the kids, and they both did very very well for us, and they had a great experience. And and uh, like I said, sometimes God is wildcat. So yeah, well. <laughs> that's that's really funny. God, I know you got better things to do, but it worked. <laughs> well, it, I, it, it, you just that's that's the crazy thing about recruiting is it's out of your hands. Right. Uh, you know, you you do everything you can, and uh, you know I, we've had parents lie to us, we've had kids lie to us, we've had kids say they they faxed the letter of intent in and didn't, and we're calling, they won't return the call, and we. Say, they signed with another school the next day and you're just sitting there going why not call us just let us know so that we're sitting here but but thank god i don't have to worry about that stuff anymore the stories about pre-cell phone era anything cracked me up because we didn't know better that's just what we had no. to do but now yep. it just seems like you crossed the entire nation in a covered wagon i mean that's the kind yeah. of context this generation has that's grown up with cell phones well, that, that my Julie, I, I had at one time maybe five speeding tickets within like six months because you would be someplace in Kansas, and you'd get a you know you get to a payphone, and you'd call your office to here, and you'd find out that you know hundred and. 10 miles away, somebody's pitching that you've been waiting two weeks. They call you and say, yeah, he's pitching today. So now I'm, you know, I've got an hour and a half to get, you know, 110 miles going across country roads in Kansas and, and back and forth with that stuff. That hap it happens all, you know, that used to happen all the time. And you just uh, couldn't cover everything you needed to cover. Uh, uh, my favorite, favorite, favorite story recruiting is uh, trains, planes, and automobiles. <laughs> and this, this is my first summer of recruiting. And two, at least two, maybe three of these kids were on the 90 team. Uh, I had $400 in my budget. And Larry Travis, when he hired me, he said, we want you to win, Mike, but 
the way you get in trouble is go over your budget. And so I said, okay. And so I've got a $2,000 recruiting budget. I've got 400 left and I've got a week to the, till it rolls back over and I can do a little bit after July one. So I'm sitting there, I've got three kids playing in Pueblo, Colorado, and I've got a pitcher in in uh, Kansas City in Overland Park that I need to see. So there's a tournament in Pueblo. So how am I going to get to Pueblo to see these kids on Friday and then get back to uh, Overland Park to see the pitcher? So I look at airlines and there's no way $400. There's no way I can do that. Now, how am I going to do this? So I, I look at all aboard Amtrak had had a, a region thing for $79. You could go anywhere in the region. So I look at that. Well, the Southwestern chief only goes to La Junta. So I'm still 60 miles from Pueblo, but $79. I'm close. So I called rental cars. I caught no rental cars there. I, I talk at the airport and he goes, well, Talk to the guy at the airport. He goes, well, there's some, you know, we got people to fly in and out of here to Denver and Colorado Springs and stuff. Let me see if I find somebody. I said, I'll give them a hundred bucks. I know that's not much, but, you know, just to ride along, if they could drop me off at Pueblo and then pick me up at Pueblo later that night. And so he found somebody. So now I'm in Pueblo. And and so I I take the train the conductor on the train, I get on Topeka at, I think it was 1230, something like that. The conductor was a big Nebraska fan, and I'm sitting there, and I go, we're talking, and and I said, does there happen to be a sleeper available? I think I just had a coat. That was the deal. And he goes, well, there is. And I said, I tell you what. I will, you know, you get your family, all Nebraska. Yeah. How many tickets would you need for the K-State game? And he goes, well, four. And I said, well, I'll get you four tickets to the Nebraska football game this fall. If you let me have a sleeper, he says, deal. So I go and I get in the sleeper and sleep. He wakes me up before we get to La Honda. He uh, has a free breakfast for me. I went down, showered, everything went Ate breakfast, got to the deal. I'm looking for a red pickup. That's this guy in the airplane's got a red pickup. So I, this guy finally walks up to me and he says, You coach Clark? I said, Yes, because come with me. So the red, it wasn't red, it was rust. <laughs> the whole pickup was it, it was, it was a beat up old pickup. So we get in there. I'm hoping to God the airplane doesn't look like the truck does. And it's a crop, he's a crop duster. So, and he was flying to, I can't remember where, might have been Colorado Springs. So, rearranged everything. So, he flies, we land. Carl Blando, the scout for the Reds or for the Royals at the time, and a good friend picks me up at the airport. We go in, I see the kids. We signed two of the three kids there at Pueblo. Uh, I get back. Carl gives me a ride back. I cop duster the guys there. We buzz cattle on the way in <laughs> <laughs> to La Junta. You want to see my cattle? Sure. <laughs> Maybe not that close. <laughs> we, we land, we land in La Junta, or we yeah, land in La Junta. He takes me to the deal. The conductor had arranged for me to get a sleeper on the way back to Topeka. So I get to Topeka. We take that. The Topeka got like I kind of say it was 
4.30 in the morning, something like that. And I'm, I'm still dead tired. So I sleep in my car at the Topeka Depot, which I learned later is probably not the safest thing to do. But until about uh, 8 o'clock, something like that, and, and found a truck stop. Paid three three bucks for a shower and shave. Drove to Overland Park. Saw David Herholzer pitch. Loved him. Signed him. He's two time All Big Eight pitcher for us. Got back to Manhattan and completely collapsed. I don't think Sunday existed for me. I uh, hopefully got a blessing from Father on Sunday Mass because I, I was absolutely dead after that trip. So that's wild. But that's that's what that's what we had to do. And truck stops were real important to college coaches back then, baseball coaches, and and then some sports others also too. We we slept in truck stops a lot. But that that's my trains, planes, and automobile, and it really was fundamental. Thus, finish that year in '90, finishing second place in the Big Eight. And you know, if there's a '48, if we've had '64 teams, that team's in a regional. Right. Uh, so, but uh, that year, only 48. Well, that, back then, only 48 teams went. So, that's an incredible story. <laughs> it's, it was uh, a lot of interesting situations, but great. I wouldn't trade them for anything. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what a, a modern day coach would think about having to do that. And, it's not that long ago. That's what's incredible. I no. mean, it sounds yeah. like you're talking about something from like 1948 and the war's over and we don't have the resources to do all the stuff we do now. But no, I mean, this is modern era, at least yeah. for us old farts it was. Well, no, 36 years ago. And, and, and uh, you know, Dave Bingham and I used to do stuff together all the time when he was the KU coach because we both were in the same situation budget-wise and we were all go, going after the same guys and stuff. So uh, we all dealt with that. Bobby Randall, when he was at Iowa State, dealt with that. I mean, it was just incredible, kind of the way it was. You had the haves and the have-nots, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and those schools could could do a lot more, had a lot more resources than what, what we did, particularly in the Big 12, once we went to the Big 12 with A&M and Texas and those guys, a lot more resources. Oh, and they had plumbing. So Yeah, they did have plumbing. plumbing. <laughs> Coach, great stuff. Um, congratulations on the retirement. Congratulations on the good health. We all miss Ernie. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy on you. Um, it was a really trying time for you and you guys were so close, but, um, you, you carried on his legacy incredibly well. Well, uh, very, very blessed to, to have so many great people help me, uh, through this journey and, and through everything they did. I, I am not an expert at anything, but I can talk my way into most things. So, and, uh, without Ernie, uh, I, I would not have had any the, a lot of the success we did, and more than anything else, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew just how special this person is. I I'm a history major. I think history is vitally important, and everybody needed to know just how important Ernie and Jack and uh, you know all the people who were you know built this thing and and yeah we have the, all these great things but back in the 50s and 60s and 70s we we had you know a bunch of people that held it, held it together with barbed wire and and uh, because of that man look at look at us now mm -hmm. 
So true. So true. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and, uh, Love you, man, and and best of luck with your health, and and don't let those grandkids wear you out. No, no, no. We got we got two weeks or three weeks before the next outing, and God love them. Julie's grandpa always told us, well, not always, but he told me this one time. He goes, you know, Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm always so damn glad to see you guys drive up on Friday, and then so damn glad to see you leave on Sunday. <laughs> and I, I thought that that's a pretty good way of looking at things. But no, we, we've had a great two weeks, and and thank you, and I appreciate you so much, Tim, and and. And hope your health, you know, goes well. And, and uh, we appreciate what you do for Kansas State. Thank you, Coach. Talk you to bet. you later. Take care. There are three types of these podcasts for me. There's the ones that, honestly, I kind of struggle to get through. Maybe the subject's distracted or we're not connecting. They don't happen very often, but it does. There's the ones that I get to a very satisfying end, and we call it good. And there's ones just like this one. We could have gone on for another hour. The stories were just beginning to flow. Mike Clark is a wonderful person. He was wonderful at everything he did for Kansas State, and I'm so happy now that he gets to retire. He might have that baseball coach body, but he's got a lot left in it. And remember, as Mike would tell you, if you're 50 or over, go get your colonoscopy. It caught cancer for him. And then also, if you're 45 or older, please ask your doctor to check your PSA score. It's the best way to detect some type of health issue with your prostate. I appreciate you listening. I'll be back next week with another guest. I'm Fitz, and I'll talk to you real soon. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.